What's up everyone? Today we've got the world's fastest poker player, a little bit of track running, the Olympics, and also the world's most expensive mullet, 3% body fat, and people getting slapped in the mix? We've even got potentially revenge in the WSOP. Stay tuned. A uh, high-stakes poker player who started off uh, really working the fields. He went from high speeds, uh, running track, to playing <laughs> some of the highest stakes in the world and winning millions on handed mobbing in tournaments, uh, also in the biggest tournaments in the world. Um, Chris Brewer. And I see, uh, I didn't know this, but you uh, have also a... A very expensive mullet. Why don't you tell me about this <laughs> mullet? Let's, tell, let's hear about it. Uh, yeah, so um, we were just playing one of the Poker Go tournaments. Uh, I was sitting next to Kerry Katz and a few other people. There was a uh, Texas quarterback, this guy, Quinn Ewells, has a awful mullet. Uh, he was on TV and Kerry was like, how much uh, would you have to get paid to have that mullet and I was like I don't know not that much I'm pretty cheap I wasn't like trying to actually pop that at this time I was just like talking I didn't think he would actually pay me and then he was like how about for like 1k and I was like no I'm not gonna do it for <laughs> I wouldn't 1k take it and then he was like All right. haircut. yeah so he's like how about for 5k I agreed I think I had to grow it just to the end of the year so that was 2021 and then he wanted to extend it so he paid me extend it yeah, so then he paid me 1k a month for the next six months, and then he paid me, uh, and then I got 10k for the last six months. Can so. I get in on this deal? Like, what hair do you <laughs> need to get paid like a thousand dollars a month? Be <laughs> you got you got to get the mullet, man. Uh, okay, I mean, spread the word. I'm I'm in on it. I guess I'll. I mean, I might do it for he, like a little bit, like a month or something. <laughs> he's been looking for a new mullet guy. He uh, he's been messaging Elio, but he can't get Elio to agree. <laughs> Okay, well maybe I'm his guy. Maybe the new Huckleberry. All right, sure. Why not uh, the whole the Jungleberry instead? Um, <laughs> why don't you tell us about this uh, this track career? It's kind of uh, I didn't know you're a bit of a track star. Uh, you're in like the number one track program in the country, and I, I see there's some medals involved and. Was it you that had 30? No, you couldn't have had 32 uh, trophies in, in a row. That must have been your university, right? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I was like a good run on college, but I would be equivalent of like the sixth man on Duke or something. I, uh, mm -hmm. My best thing was I got a seventh place at Pac-12s. But while I was there, I was part of like the best team in the nation. So, okay. um, I mean... I ran with one kid, uh, this guy, Edward Cheswick. I think he won 17 individual national titles for Wheeldale. So it was like a, it was a lot of excellence at the school, and it was really cool to be around. Um, so I read that you said that track running track was harder than playing professional oh, yeah. poker. Oh, uh, really? Why? Well, I guess I, I have mixed feelings on it. So uh, I had said that probably before I had gone through like like my most significant like run bad stretch. I think that like what it takes to be really good at track 
is a lot more demanding than what it takes to be good at poker. Like, I think you have to walk a lot harder at track. It's much more competitive. And it's like a 100% skill game. So you are exactly as good as, like, you go out to, as, like, you are. There's no getting lucky. So, like, you can't, some random guy can't go win a race. But uh, poker has, like, the emotional side. I think I don't think there's anything as emotionally stressful as, like, trying to play the highest stakes poker. It's just the ups and downs are kind of crazy. I guess so. It's, like, a hard thing to get used to. It's very unnatural to get used to the way poker works. Um, yeah. I, I'm just curious what the demands are, but it does make sense when, like, you know, the line's, like, drawn in the sand and you just have to beat the line. You literally have to, like, make the time or you, you're not good enough. I mean, the, all you can do yeah. is work harder, right? I mean, uh, I'm curious. I would think that there's, like, some stuff, extra stuff involved as well. I don't know if that's true or if you want to talk about that or not. And yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, you can't really be delusional in track. Like, um, everyone in poker will think, like, everyone who plays a 5K up thinks they're, like, like a top five player in the world in poker. There's no, like, equivalent of that in running. No um, so, like, you will limit it on how much you can run per week because you'll just break your legs, right? So it's like, maybe you can run 80, maybe you can run 100 miles a week, but at some point you're going to hit a limit. So, like, you have to find other ways to train. So, like, we would all, for us, we would do about two or three days in the gym a week. Just, and then I probably would spend like an hour or two hours doing like recovery stuff every day. So, yeah. it ended up being probably a full, like, somewhere between three to five hours a day training in some fashion between recovery, running, or lifting for oh, seven days a week. I would have thought of it more than that. Yeah, that's the one nice thing about running. You just get really limited because, like, it's so demanding on your body. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, like, I'm personally just curious of the kinds of uh, things you have to do in it. Like, I guess you just yeah. run a lot of drills. I mean, I know that, I mean, frankly, if I had to, like, run, I, I do quite some physical stuff now, but if I had to, like, become a straight-up athlete, I would just think that I'd have to, like, really have a strict diet, uh, like start really counting my calories. I'd have to, you know, just really time everything. If I was really demanding and like comparing myself to other people, I'd go into, I'd look up all the hacks. I'd like, uh, especially yeah. if like I'm not going to use drugs, but I just feel like in many fields, uh, many areas of fitness, like you kind of have to, I, I don't know if it's the case in that or not, or I don't know how it works. Because, but yeah. Well, cool thing with track was like, there's so many different events, right? So everyone trains so differently on the team. Mm -hmm. Like, um, when I was there, we had a, a really good javelin thrower whose brother is uh, the world record holder on the shot put. And, like, their training is just pure powerlifting. So, like, mm -hmm. they just get as strong as possible, and they have to put down, like, 6,000 calories a day or more. They just have to get huge, you know? Whoa, okay. And then, like, for me, when I was training, it was everything was about being like as skinny as possible. So okay. I, like I, I was running, I was about 3% body fat at the time. 3%? Um, Holy yeah. shit. I, I was very tiny. I, I, I weighed 132 pounds at 5'10". Whoa, okay, so, okay. I mean, 3% is like really intense. Like, like Yeah, you like, <laughs> Oops. so like, it's like a, a common, like the, 
a really common issue in distance running is people do get like eating disorders because you're trying to lose weight so much, but you're like, you kind of try to, you try to boulder that line a little bit. It's uh, not the healthiest thing, but it, it's kind of what's demanded. I will say 3% sounds like more torture than like most downswings. If you think about it, like you can, <laughs> most, most downswings in poker, you can probably view it in some kind of a lens that it's just like, like it doesn't necessarily matter unless it, unless it like really hurts your quality of life. Um, yeah. There's like some kinds of framing that work around it, but you know having to maintain three percent body fat just sounds. I mean, uh, I guess I've heard of people crying when they eat pieces of chocolate and. Uh, yeah, the thing is, you're burning so many calories per day. It's not like I was running. 85 miles a week at the time Holy so like you're you're doing enough that's like you still get to eat and stuff but um yeah that was like the thing i was most excited about when i quit running was i just could like eat throughout the day <laughs> <laughs> i used to like always have like a very strict diet up until like five o'clock at night because i would i had a sensitive stomach so i couldn't eat a ton before i ran all right well let's talk about poker uh some more um yeah. Well, yeah. So how did how did you go from running track to playing poker? Um, I had played like a little home game with uh, other guys in the track team. So actually, the first time I ever played was doing the Olympic trials. Um, it was just in Eugene, so I was up there watching. And because uh, of being at Oregon, like a bunch of the guys that were running just wanted to do like a little five dollar home game. So the first time I played, I played with like three Olympians, which is a kind of Funny little, like, pogo nailed it when we played some $5 tournament. And I uh, got all in against quads. I remember that. <laughs> I uh, didn't believe that someone had a hand on 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Um, Speaking of uh, twos, well, well, there's another hand that I want to ask you about. Go, go on. All right. Um, yeah, so then I... Uh, I There's, like, a local cold room in Oregon. They have a... Uh, pretty cool rule up there that you can't rake games they're all like membership clubs so the way it would work is you pay like a $25 a month membership or something and then you could just buy it at the beginning of the day you paid a 5% fee on your buy-in that was capped at $300 so I play like a 1-2 game I would just buy $1,000 of chips and I'd pay $15 a rake for the entire day oh that sounds like not a bad deal, actually. That sounds I mean, like... It's, like, it's like an amazing... Yeah, you, you, it's an amazing deal. So, like, I got to play a really low-rate one-two live game uh, in college. And then I uh, got, like, sick full track season, so I didn't have anything else to do. And I just stalled playing, and I think I won, like... I was winning, like, 25 with $30 an hour in the game, which, you know, in college, it just feels like you're the richest guy ever. And then it just kind of snowballed into being something I was interested in because I was competitive and thought it was fun. But it was very random. I never, like, was like, oh, I want to get into this. That's kind of how I got into it. Was I, uh, yeah. I, well, I just I started making money, and then it, I, I didn't, like, have plans of being a high-stakes poker player or anything like that. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was thinking in my head. I was like, if I could just play, like, 510, I was like, that'd be great. You know, you just make, like, $80 an hour and don't have to walk. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny how things work out. Um, I, I do have some track questions. I mean, how much money could you actually make from track? Did you ever like win any tournaments? 
and track um, uh, and make like I wasn't I wasn't good enough. So I could have done a road racing scene. So like I could have gone and ran like some local five Ks. Maybe got, maybe improved and found some way to make I don't know. Best I probably would have ever made would have been like forty or fifty k a year unless I really improved. And that's like probably I would have made less. I would say the majority of professional track athletes are in that range. The very, very top can make money. So, like, the people that win gold medals a lot of times get, like, million-dollar bonuses. But uh, And then, like, Usain Bolt obviously was making a ton. But if you're not top three in the world, the pay is pretty low. All right, yeah, this is not a great career option. Hoping you're top three in the world (laughs) and running. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be, like, like, you could probably be... Especially if you're on, like, the depends on the event, too. Like, some events make more money than others. Like, if you're, like, the number 5, 10K runner on the world, you're going to make under 100K a year. Oh, shit. Yeah, not a great strategy. The cool thing about poker is that uh, all you really have to do is just beat the games you're playing. Like, if you beat, like, yeah. you're saying, you beat, like, a 1-2 game and pay a low rake, and now you're looking. Um, or you just have a group of friends that play, play 510, and you're better than them. Boom, you're making money. You're making, like, pretty good money. Um, there's a lot more potential to not be poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Bunge your track career from poker uh, playing, and, uh, yeah, like, that's actually kind of a strategy if you're, like, doing track or some other kind of <laughs> sport or art that just isn't going to pay unless you're like the champion. Oh, for sure. I think like I, when I was in, I mean, it was great when I was in college, I would just, what I would get like, I mean, the game was super soft. So I just won like 80% of the sessions. So it's just like, I would play, get an extra hundred or $200 for the week. And it's, it was awesome. <laughs> Big money when you're in college. Um, yeah, it's actually, huh? I said it was huge money in college. <laughs> this actually reminds me of a prop bet that went down in Macau. There was a race of sorts okay. between True Teller and uh, this guy named Craig, who looked something like a, a male model. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my money was on Craig uh, versus True Teller, even though, you know, True Teller's apparently is reportedly very fast in. Uh, you know, the good old Siberian streets back in the day. He was, like, one of the fastest in his class. I feel like I would just always take True Teller just because, like, he's one of those guys, if he's taking the bet, I feel like he knows he's going to win. Uh, I veto that from my experience. Okay. I made a big bet with him for quite a large amount of money, and he put in almost zero effort. It was more... It was... It was uh, it was like, I don't know if I should say how much money it was, but it was not a small number. Uh, it, was, it was a learning Chinese bet. Um, it's a different bet. But this one, he, uh, I mean, part of the problem is like how much effort is he going to put in if the bet's not very big as well? Yeah, that's true. like Zach himself is not, I mean, he's playing high stakes, but uh, first of all, Zach also has more experience in like how to train. I mean, the guy looked like, he looked like an Adonis does like that's his life he knows what he's doing he's like in there in the gym doing box jumps and stuff 
um, and just trading in all these esoteric ways. And uh, yeah, um, I got my money in good. I won the bet. Uh, ah, there you go. The other bet with True Teller was a Chinese bet. Me and True Teller had to learn Chinese. And then okay. basically he got his friend in who played lower stakes in, in and that he bet like half the amount with me. But basically True Teller put in zero effort. And then I put in like <laughs> kind of a moderate amount of effort. And then this other guy woke up every day with like post-it notes of Chinese words there. And he's like think, trying to think in Chinese. <laughs> hey, well, I guess I'm not going to put in any more effort because like one guy is just all in uh, and then True Tell is just not trying at all. So, like, what's the it point? Of for the second place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did. I, sco- I won the True Teller bet, and then, yeah, the other one. So, it's a bit more of a spot in prop bets than you would think. We had the la- last time I saw True Tell, it was so funny. I was playing a, uh, I was playing some, like, very randomly. We ran a 100K that was just on the, like, all your floor. So, there's, like, one point 100K. It's True Tell. Uh, OP and Aeon Cats playing like a big mix game. Yeah. And then and then it's like a bunch of 5-5 five, five tables around us. It was like the weirdest setup ever. And OP and Aeon are just like furious at each other about something yelling. Like they're like full on screaming. And Drew just walks up to me and just goes, man, every year we get even more mad at each other and we play even bigger. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till we finally bust each other. Who is it? Juno, you said? <laughs> it was Aeon Cats, uh, OP, and True Tell. And they so were just, it was just them screaming at each other. That sounds about right. Aaron Katz and Opie will certainly get screaming at each other. And <laughs> Miller will not say anything. But who was it that said that every year you guys get more mad at each other? It was it was True Teller. He just walked up because he wasn't in the fight. And he was like, every year they get more mad and we, we have to play even bigger. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, Opie is purposely steaming up Aaron Katz. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, of course. Um, yeah, this is a funny guy. Um, I want to talk about this hand um, with uh, Deuce Seven suited and Ace uh, Ten. Do you know about this hand? I know the hand. It's a high stakes hand. Uh, just, <laughs> just by far the dumbest hand I've ever played in my life. <laughs> Okay, so we may need a, a diagram for this one, but I I recall the action was something like you raised in it's a three blind game. Uh, you have a, a a super a small blind or a super small blind, a small blind, and a big blind, and you raised the super small blind, and it's one k two k two hundred thousand dollar buy in. Then yeah. Victor re raises with two seven suited. Yep. Uh, fold the other guy folds and you call. No, you don't call. No, I, fold. I fold it. I, I raise 10 off. I know this so specific. I know this all of this so specifically because I was Victor <laughs> had been was on like insane winnels tilt. Like he had just been he had been playing so ridiculous. Like he'll admit it. Like he wasn't playing good, but he just everything was walking. And I was like sitting there and it's I it was like some spot. Like I just mixed and mixed like the full bet. And I was like, David want to do it. I was like, this guy is like never gonna let me win the pot. But I was like, whatever. Like I'm gonna <laughs> just play my strategy. <laughs> then I fold that the so, guy he calls. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, do you want to tell the rest of the hand, or shall I? Uh, I I can go with it. We uh, 
We get the uh, Ace Queen Five, I believe. Something like that, yeah. With the two clubs. Yeah, it's Ace Queen Four, Ace Queen Five. Uh, Rainbow, not his suit. <laughs> I bet cold pot he calls. Uh, Tones of three. For those I check. Paying attention, uh, Victor has no pair, no draw. Yeah, no pale, no draw, no backdoll. He has actual like. Two percent. Like I think it gets. I think legitimately against my full bet range. He has like one point five percent. Like, you, like what? Even if I'm bluffing, I just have like King Jack off. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Um, yeah. So I bet Colter Potty calls. Tones a four. Check. He bets one third pot. I call. Pivotal's the three. Check. <laughs> He goes all in for like half pot. I mean, I, I was I was never folding. I had I also had like not that it like matters when he has seven deuce, but I had like an ace that blocked ace five, ace four, and ace three suited. So I had like like a very nut call, and then I called and I I just saw two random calls and I was like, oh, I won. Like he just had like I don't know eight seven or something. Like I know it didn't cross my mind that I had lost. Then the pot just went his way, and I was just like, oh, what the. F-? <laughs> I mean, it was a, I think it was a 520k pot. <laughs> Something absurd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he rivered the straight um, for the viewers. I, I actually, this reminds me of a hand I played in like a $10 pot in Africa, <laughs> where like we were both like high on weed, or at least high, <laughs> high on weed. And I was just well, like. Huh? I can guarantee one of the people was high in this hand, and it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been. Um, and then we, I basically was like bluffing with absolutely nothing on an ace high board. And the guy called me on the flop and the turn. And then he backdoored a wheel with deuce seven, uh, precisely. I remember because I was just, <laughs> just, I was bluffing myself and he like got there on it. Uh, on the river, and that's why he called me because he's like waiting to bluff me or something. <laughs> I don't know if he saw my hand or what was going on, but it was ten dollars, so I found it very funny. <laughs> that's that's a bit more enjoyable than mine. I uh, but I I think I find it funny now, but I'll say in the moment I uh, I was pretty annoyed. Yeah, hard not to be annoyed in that situation. So uh, uh, tell us a bit more about um, how you ended up switching from. Cash games to uh, to tournaments. Um, I mean, mainly just COVID. So I've been playing cash. I was playing some of the live of the bike streams. Then I would just play cash in LA. Uh, and when COVID happened, uh, I just started playing online. I played a bunch of cash games on ACL for a while. And they were really good for the first month or two, but they started to dry up. I was just playing tournaments on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran insane, like all of 2020. I just it was so like had a massive heatle, and then decided to play on GG and played a bunch of the 5Ks, and just won everything there. And then at that point, I was just like, oh, well, tournaments are fun. I just play and I just win every time. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> so that was like uh, that's kind of how I transitioned. Is I was just playing online and I just kept winning. So. And then after COVID, also it became it's become a lot tougher to play no limit cash places. Like every 
everything's so much more privatized now. Yeah, it is, it is a bit tougher unless you like know many. I mean, mixed games you are aren't exactly a walk in the park either. Yeah, um, and I'm not I'm not good enough at mixed to play any high stakes. I'll I'll play some of the tournaments for fun, but I am like away on the dog. We played uh, the final table of the uh, poker yeah. championship. Yeah, I think you bought me actually. In, in I did. I, uh, I I stayed pat with trips and deuce to seven. Yeah, it was actually a good bluff. Uh, that is what you're <laughs> supposed to do. So I'll bet I was over bluffing the spot. Just like competitively, it's I can see myself doing it a lot of things. Well, if you have only trips, it's actually okay. It's pretty hard to have trips. Yeah. But if it's you have two trips. pairs, uh, it can be a bit different. And even so, well, it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're just like sitting there taking like, you know, just like whatever banana, like you just decide you jack uh, high. I, I, don't, I don't think I would go that crazy. I think I, I think I probably would have done like any trips twos through sevens and then probably like most two pale combos that were like sevens up below that's probably um, like what I would have done in the moment well part of the problem with the two pair combos is you can just like draw with them quite a lot unless they have a high card yeah. um, so it's not I mean it might be over bluffing a bit uh, but it's not so insane I definitely with the trip combos by themselves you would not be over bluffing I can yeah, tell you yeah. that um, it's very precisely doing the math in that spot. <laughs> By the way, guys, this game is uh, no limit deuce to seven, where you get one draw and you have to make the worst hand possible. Um, it's pretty easy to make like a lot of like eights and things like that. I mean, there's a million combos of eights and yeah, seven. You get like an eight. Or, you get like an eight or nine, but you like never get a seven. <laughs> it's very yeah. hard to have a seven. It's true. True. Uh, you're gonna uh, come back and try to take the title from me in the next. Yeah, I can't. I can't let you three feet, man. Well, I hope that you uh, that the just for the sake of the of the drama that you uh, admit that you end up taking having a decent chance to take me down. Um, no promise. Oh no, you. Weird stuff happens for you in that tournament. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> What back-to-back final tables that like impossible hands have happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to fight against some some mysticism apparently. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, no, I probably won't. I probably won't fold top pay on limit. You can probably get me not to do that one. Okay, well, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so. Did uh, your competitiveness and track help you prepare you for poker? Uh, yes, in the beginning. So like, it made me get. Like, it's one of the reasons I feel like I've improved and like always been like my motivation for being good. Mm-hmm. I do think like as I've moved into higher stakes, whale, you lose more often, and like in higher variance formats, that like. Sometimes I think it's like to my emotional detriment that I hate losing so much. Like I wish it didn't bother me as much. Oh, really? Uh, you think track made you hate losing more? I just think I'm like so competitive. Like I, it like kills me when I lose. And I've gotten better at it as, as I've gotten older. But uh, I think it's like in track when I lost, it was fail. Right? It was like a I lost because someone beat me. It was like it was just. And I I still think like. As much poker as I play, I still get annoyed at the uh, fact that, like, you can just lose forever. And, like, you're not... 
don't know. I feel like I'm not the greatest loser now. So that I think as I've that pulse a little bit detrimental for me. I can relate to that. I mean, um, definitely I have, it's pretty easy to have issues with injustice of all various kinds. There's all kinds of injustices yeah. out there. I mean, I, I myself used to get quite angry about losing. Um, uh, something happened where it changed <laughs> on those lines. Did you, um, do you, do you find yourself like, did you do anything to curtail that? Because I, I would think at first it would be pretty tough if you have those issues uh, did you just go away over time? Did you meditate or like what, what did changing that look like? Um, so I've, I've gotten better. I can't, I wouldn't say that I'm like, I'm still a bad loser. And like, I don't know if I'll ever be like a good one. I don't, but, uh, I think I just like the more I played, the more used to it I got. So like that helped a little bit. And then I did have like Jason Kuhn gave me some good advice one time where he was just like, He's like, think about, like, worst-case scenario of a day you go play. So he's like, you go play, like, some 100K at Triton. You file six bullets. You lose every hand. Like, you just, you're terrible. Like, everything was awful. You know, it's the worst day ever. He's like, you still just, like, go back to, like, a hotel and, like, chill. Like, your life doesn't change. Like, nothing's bad. I think, like, taking that perspective helps. Just being like, all right, it's not that big a deal. That's the uh, stoic approach, by the way. The stoics imagine the worst case possible before it happens. It's like their yeah. way of uh, preemptive disappointment. <laughs> preemptive, I didn't know uh, that, but preemptive disappointment helps. honestly helps me to just be like, all right, don't get excited. It's probably going to go bad. Just wake up every day and just decide, okay, what are all the <laughs> terrible things that can happen today? <laughs> like, I could, like a bird could shit on my face. <laughs> I, I do it exclusively with poker. It seems a little a little uh, dark to do it for everything in life. It's, uh, why not? I mean, I've never done I've never done exactly that, huh? I would just think the discipline would help with track. Yeah, I think because I find it tougher to be more disciplined with things like diet. Tougher, uh, and especially like putting your effort forward in it, like giving like a 10 out of 10 workout where you're like near vomiting. I don't know if you had to do that, but maybe you did. Uh, oh, I did that I all. Think... Yeah, I did that all the time. <laughs> uh, see, I haven't like vomited in a workout in a very long time. Uh, uh, but I would just think like that stuff is harder than working hard at poker. Is it, 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 yeah. Um, like I found one... studying for poker easy always. I just, and I think that's why I've like thought poker is like an easier thing to be good at is like, it's not like that grueling to study for it. And the demand is not that high. <laughs> like, I feel like the, the ball you got to get to, to be to, the highest stakes is tough, but I'm just saying like, still it's the, it's like, you have to just get to like a salt level proficiency. That's like pretty good. But like mm-hmm. in running it, I felt like the level of proficiency you needed was, you know, absolutely excellent. I will say that in order to just win at poker, it just feels like the level of proficiency you have to get at, and I don't really understand why this is, is quite low. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. If you could just, like, you know, follow preflop charts, like, you pretty <laughs> well, and have, like, decent fundamentals, you'll probably win. Like, I mean, I used to, like, legitimately think I would play a uh, 10-25 game in San Diego, and we had, like... Uh, some of these old rich guys who they would just play bad pre and then like post they would play like 
kind of reasonable. Like, yeah, they'd make some mistakes, but it was never, like, that crazy, you know? And yeah. I was like, I swear, if I just had played Prefop Throne, they would have been, like, somewhere between, like, a minus five to, like, one big blind pull 100 winner. They all play, you know? Like, they just would have been, like, so close to break even. Because, like, all the mistakes would just be that they flatted 6-3 suited to an open because they wanted to see the flop. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't like they played post that bad. Like, they would, you know, they would kind of play normal. I mean, would they, like, I imagine guys like this would, would lack a lot of creativity in some spots. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you could you can make, like, insane folds to them and stuff. But my point being is, like, it was still, like, the level you needed to win in the game was you needed to just know what a good hand was. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some subtleties yeah. to pre-flop stuff, but, like, I, I, don't, I just don't... I don't know. It'd be interesting, like... I don't know what the issue is, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. There's way more effort in athleticism than in poker for some reason. Well, like, chess. Like, you look at, like, what top chess players do compared to, like, what top poker players do. The amount of effort that, like... I, like, Magnus Collison's put it in. No offense to, like... Linus, but I don't think Linus is studying as old as Magnus is studying chess. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. It's, yeah. it's and like yeah, I mean it's just it's, I guess it's just because the thing is that inefficient. Um, I mean that poker is just that inefficient in comparison. Yeah. Enough 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 like people just gambling effectively or just not trying that hard, not caring too much about the details. And it's not a direct payoff either. Like it's not like you get X amount better so you win like X amount more. Well, there's the Pareto principle where most of your gains come from 80%. Most of your lack of losses and gains come from 80% of the knowledge, right? Um, the extra yeah. 20% is much harder to attain. Uh, but if you get that 80% right, you're, you're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, with, if you get a little lucky, like you'll never even notice that you don't have the 20%. <laughs> well, I mean, eventually you will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was it was it true that you uh, were considering competing in the Olympics? By the way, uh, no, there was someone we pulled of that. I mean, would I like when I was in high school? That was something I thought like, oh, I would be good enough. Like uh, I was getting recruited by the top school. Once I was in college, after about two years, I realized there was a gap between me and the guys who were Olympic caliber. I was good. I was talented, but. The guys that make the Olympics are so special. It's yeah. you can see it immediately. It's it's like kind of hard to explain, but it's like you just would. They'll train for three weeks, and they'll be like in the shape that someone like me's in after four months of training. What? Yeah, they just have. It's just these people that are just incredible. They're freaks, <laughs> oh, and you see okay. it immediately. I mean, it's really hard to compete against like global genetic. Yeah. possibilities if that makes sense one of my uh one of my like, college friends was this guy matthew centralitz he uh won the gold in the 1500 in 2016 and like his way of training basically would be like he would like he would train throughout the year but he'd be like eating candy staying up late every night and then like a month and a half or two months out from the Olympics, he just goes to altitude and just locks in, does like the best month and a half you've ever seen of training. And he'll just, and he just becomes like the best, one of the best five runners in the world, like immediately. And then he'll like go back. And like that's not something like I would have ever had the ability to do. To like get to that level, I would have had to get like 12 years straight of training. 
<laughs> Wait, so he just has like unreal. Dis he for he just like doesn't care at all. Um, and then like, just unreal locks in and just gets fit immediately. Like he responds really well. But he, and like uh, there was another guy, Mo Fela, who was like this British guy, and he was very similar. He would do. He would do months of training that like weren't that good, and then he would just have like two months that he would lock in and he would just get in incredible shape. Oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't sound that yeah. insane just because, like, like some inconsistent results over some time can give you some kind of something. But if you're, like, change... I've noticed, like, uh, rec recently... Oops. I uh, I made some, like, serious changes and, like, you could get in very good shape if you're, like, really serious. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, especially if there's, like, something behind it. Like, probably I wasn't, like, that healthy on a few different points myself, but I don't think my genetics are, like, that great. But I, I don't know. I can't, it's hard to speak for everyone, and I don't... It's just well, like the one thing I did think, and I actually, th I think you see this in Poco, too, to be honest, is, like, the guys that are always, like, grinding, they, like, never... Like, there's a certain level of, like, sharpness you lose if you're, like, always getting after it, right? Like, if you play every day or if you're racing every week or training as hard as you can, like your body just can't hit like a hundred percent. So I do think there's something to like these guys methods. They, they like relax and chill. And then like when they turn it on, they're able to just give absolutely everything to this thing for, you know, a two or three month period, but then they have to relax again because they were so all in. Oh, well you definitely, definitely relaxing is very useful for sure. Yeah. I can say that, um, I saw plenty of like gains in, learning over sleeping i mean for sure there's like some science behind this whereas if you like really sleep on what you did and uh like definitely there's a lot to be said with like just not not just mindlessly grinding but like really putting into effort um all the little things you could have done better which i think that people must not really be thinking about i don't really know what's going through the lines but i mean for me personally I think about every single possible decision that I could have done on every street all the time. Oh yeah. Um, like if I if I uh, made a mistake, I'll, I'll like see okay, there's a possibility that's better. Made by a mistake, I mean like not perfect play. Um, yeah. But maybe that's just me. And no, I think. I mean, I I don't. I think some people don't have that. Like I have always felt that way, and especially I think it's tough. Because I'm poker, like, what does the perfect play even mean? So, like, sometimes I'm saying that it's like, you do something solution based, right? And then, like, after you're like, I really don't think that was good, even though like you have like the solution behind you. Oh, oh, oh yeah, there is a, there's a, um, a bit of uh, judgment required to determine yeah. whether you should follow the solution or not. I mean, my point of view on that is that the solution is basically the guideline, but there's often plays that can be better than the solution exploited. Oh, hundred percent. There's only really um, a limited number of options in the sense of, like, basically you just have to group options because there's a point in which there's no real reason to go any deeper for the sake of perfection. Uh, for example, if, like, a 25% pot bet is good in this situation, like, maybe they overhold a lot to that. If it doesn't make any sense to, like, say, okay, is it, should I bet 28% or should I bet 30%? Like, all that's bullshit. Like, that's not yeah. worth talking about. It's not worth you know, uh, penny 
twisting for stuff like that. That's just my point of view. Like you just you have a small bed, you have a big bed, you have check raise, check fold, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've always I feel that way about like a lot of things in vocal. Well, like I have friends that'll be like, um, I don't know, someone will bluff the rival like with some combo, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, like that combo can't bluff it loses this amount or something and i'll be like yeah but like what if you just didn't bluff the other hand and bluff this one like would it matter like as long as your like frequency was like kind of close yeah like this kind of stuff isn't <laughs> like it's not really worth thinking about too too much yeah they'll be like um, oh but it lost one big blind in the sim and i'm like i guess <laughs> yeah so um what i heard you quit poker uh and now you've uh <laughs> gone into a little bit marketing uh, this is mostly true. I I haven't like quit poker. I'll still play some Triton stuff. I'll still play. I'll probably play the World Series still. I'm not like done forever. Oh, okay. But I did get a job. Yeah, oh. I uh, took an online marketing job out in New York. Uh, live with my girlfriend out there, and I just for me, I felt that it made sense to uh, start looking for like long term career outside of vocal i it's not something i wanted to be doing in 10 or 20 years oh i mean it sounds like a i would think it's a pretty good job um so yeah I, it's a it, it's a good opportunity um so i i do have to ask how did you manage to get like it's almost like strange to go to get a job outside of poker or like a real let's put it this way it's strange to get a real job outside of poker unless you have prior experience or you have like a degree in like something related to online marketing because the skill sets are very different i've discovered um so i do have a business degree so that's like that i guess is some relation but mainly it's just uh someone who i've who the guy who owns the company i've played poker with and been friends with for, for a long time and he's wanted me to come walk there and it was something like we had talked about for a while so i like decided to finally do it but it was more just like a networking thing oh okay okay uh well you apparently played that game pretty well (laughs) i mean yeah there was no intent ever it wasn't like i was uh became friends with the guy to get the job or something but it uh it definitely it worked out well and hopefully i can end up you know, we can have a good partnership and be successful. <laughs> okay. Probably, uh, do you find the poker skills transfer over to this kind of job? I would think. They're... Yeah. So this one is, this one especially. So really? like, yeah. So the way this one works is like, so it's like you have like a set of ads and you set them up and then you get like a, a database report that basically says like how they perform. And then you can like make changes to it and see the, how like, it would do if you, you know, make this change. But it reminds me so much of, like, playing Poco, like, using, like, a database before Solval. Like, I'm just, like, looking at, like, Poco Trackle and being like, how can I exploit this guy? Like, how do I get him to give me an extra dollar? Oh, that is kind of funny. I guess it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that works out. But it makes sense. It does make sense because online marketing just, like, looks at things in terms of statistics. And I guess, yeah, like, so it's just, kind of we're just building a strategy based off what the stats say. But it's like, you're going max exploit, right? There's no theory. You're just like, how can I get this guy to give me the most money? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, what, the, what is the theory in that sense? Yeah. yeah. So not do to say, there's no, you don't have like a balanced approach. Like, you're definitely, like we've had, you know, things where 
But just like, what if we add an emoji to this question and you add an emoji and it gets clicked like 10% more? And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Are you serious? This yeah. time it was like, it reminds me of something else. Uh, I don't want to say. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any like aspirations or goals in poker? Does it you are you do you want to win a bracelet? Do you want to uh, yeah aspirations to uh, get your revenge back on me, uh, in some kind of way? I don't think I don't think you're too high on my hit list. Sadly, uh, well, I'm kind of um, a little bit. I feel like I should be. <laughs> this, this, this jacket no, is a will... target. Putting a little target on me. You uh, I will say I managed to avoid. I actually lost a bet to you. Well, you're supposed to have slapped me, but I, I avoided having getting slapped, so I I think I would put you. What did I what did I say exactly? I forget. It was uh it was the first time we met. We rode from the airport uh in like a random like taxi limo thing to the Cypress Hotel. Yeah. And you you asked if I was a guy who likes to make deals. And I was like and I said, I don't know. I would like to know what the deal is. And you go, You don't get to know. I go, Okay, well I'm curious. And the first one was that if I didn't like the hotel, I got to slap you, and I liked the hotel. The second one was that if you had a losing trip, I got to slap you as hard as I could, and if I had a losing trip, you got to slap me, but we had to film it on Instagram. <laughs> I, uh, I can't believe I forgot this. Um, by the <laughs> way, I have been slapped before, so you know. Based on my slap suggestions, I uh, told someone to slap me if they saw me eating junk food, and they did. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I told uh, Johnny to do it. The German German Johnny. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Johnny Beckel. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. I love Johnny. He was probably. I, did he slap you hold? I feel like he would be gentle. I mean, I felt it. It was probably the hardest thing <laughs> ever slapped. To be fair. Okay. Uh, I haven't been slapped too much. I've never been slapped by a girl as far as where. Um. Yeah. Uh, haven't been, yeah, he's, uh, who would have thought, you know, it's not, a, I, I actually wasn't sure that he would do it, but he, he did it. Uh, I, I'm actually a little surprised he did it. <laughs> you must have actually annoyed him that day. He was like, oh, I, I got an opportunity here. No, it wasn't an, an annoying slap, but I'll take an annoying slap too. Like, why not? I happen <laughs> to have an unusual tolerance for acts of aggression, I guess you could say. Um... Okay, so the theme of this... Oops. Ah, weirdest desk. Uh, the theme of the podcast is... Uh, is A big part of it is... It's not always about this, but it's about... Um, it's about winning the game of life. Do you... Uh, and there's a... Well, that is the theme, but... Do you have any altruistic intentions uh, or interests related to that? Or any, like affectionate feelings towards the poker world perhaps um i think like i don't like i think with the poker world there's a lot of things that aren't great about it but i do think like the game is pretty great i think there's like a lot of i think a lot of people would be benefited and like decision making by just playing some forms of poker i think it does like help you really realize yeah i think that like thinking of ev and thinking of the way like value works it is a good way to like i mean for some things you shouldn't like approach your entire life on like an ev calculation but i think it can be like a good decision making tool 
okay. But I also think that like Poco obviously has a lot of, you know, CD gambling and a lot of, uh, especially lately, like a lot of scams and whatnot. So <laughs> mixed feelings on the Poco world though. I uh, I feel like this it does have scams, but actually I feel like it's very efficient with its scams. Most of them. Uh, I want to say that it's not efficient with how debts are tolerated because yeah. there needs to be some kind of like debts and debts are inset are basically like cheating if they're not like actively tried to be paid back. Like it it is cheating. Like what's worse, like you you don't pay if you lose. Like this is like yeah I. Uh... I've been lucky, and I've only been, I've only had, like, someone stiff me once, and it was, like, it was, like, a spot, I, it was one of those spots where you knew it was coming, it was, like, the guy was gonna stiff eventually, but it was, like, loaning full game, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I've been lucky with that, but I, I do agree, I've had, a I had a friend who got super scammed on a, uh, Someone texted him to bet on a Super Bowl coin flip. Like, Paulson, he knew that he trusted. They bet, like, a pretty large number, and then the guy just stiffed him. So, like, it's the same as the guy just stealing, you know, half. I think they bet, like, 20K. It's the same as the guy stealing 10K. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that I think people are really not that great at responding to. But if someone does get outed for stealing or for cheating or something like that, I mean, I think that overall in like if you were to look at the number of transactions that go down that are actually go down well versus like yeah. the ones that someone cheated uh you'll probably see that there's a lot of cheating going on proportionally speaking and that it's just blown up so that it like looks really bad that's just what i think um, i think that's accurate i mean it should be blown up that's like yeah. part of the punishment um yeah but uh i do think most of the time people in poker are actually honorable if you would uh change anything in the poker scene if there's a if, if you could be the guy that decides guys let's do this differently what would you see uh well, i mean realistically i would love to just get rid of private games but i actually that's just selfish i don't think that's actually good i think like private games do have like some function yeah i agree um yeah, but I, that's just, like, selfish. What if I could actually do would just be, like, make way more game structures that are fun to play? Like, yeah, yeah. I would I would just love to just have, like, no limit tournaments that have a short deck structure. Or just, like, randomly have, like, a 10 big blind ante in something. Or just, like, you just do a round of flips in the middle of playing. Like, I don't know. Just more stuff that makes it more fun and, like, punishes people who just want to not gamble and sit there. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that is a good idea to just do more things yeah. that spice it up in some kind of way and make it less predictable and less beneficial for like people who have to rely on, you know, studying in like this rote way that doesn't. Uh, I've always thought it'd be cool. Like, what if you just played a tournament that you just like randomized how big the ante was every orbit? You just played like a one big blind ante and then it just got randomized in the next orbit. You had like a seven big blind ante. Like, yeah, it'd make ICM wield, but like, whatever, it'd be fun. That is funny, actually. Yeah. I, I like the idea. Any of these ideas I like, or like you could, yeah. you could, uh, there'd be, you could play a tournament where uh, there's a deuce to seven bounty. Like if you win a pot, yeah. seven, <laughs> Victor would obviously be in. Uh, uh, Elton and I have talked about the Jack six bounty for a short deck, but we like, will you just get an extra ante from everyone? Yeah. Yeah. 
That would be a little ridiculous, though, because you just go all in every time you have it. Well, you can still... I mean, it would get ridiculous at some point, yeah, specifically. Yeah. Deck. Uh, but, like, I think it'd be good at long deck. Long deck needs a bit more, because there's so many, like, people who have basically solved it now in long deck that I really yeah. spice. I, I personally like the idea of more um, collaboration with businessmen. Uh, I don't see why that doesn't happen, because, like, probably they're a little bit reluctant to play when they're up against professionals and uh i just think more would play if if like the pros are giving them some kind of tips so now they like have like some kind of chance yeah i've, I've always that's always bothered me when like uh when like you know some rec players playing having fun but like they make a bad play and they told them to some pro and they're like oh like would you have called them the guy's like of course, man. Nothing you can do. Like they do that like disingenuous lie. I've okay. always thought like you should. Yeah. Just... <laughs> but like when you're talking about like Triton does such a good job with you know walking with the businessman to create fun events that like without really making much private. Yeah, I um, I think they could do better. Like they they did a pretty good job. But there's obvious potential for better. Uh, the 200k was amazing. They did a great job with that. That is true. Yeah. That's true for sure. Oh, I need to ask you, what, who is, um, who's on your hit list, if I'm not on it? What do I have to do who to get on your hit list? I mean, my, my hit list isn't, like, a, a real one, I guess, because, like, I mean, okay, people that, like, have cheated me, obviously, I would love to just, like, see, lose the money, and I would love to beat them, but... A lot of those people aren't even allowed to play poker anymore, so oh. not really much I can do there. You can out them if you want. Like, why not? Uh, I think I think it's pretty public <laughs> info. Oh, okay. Well, there's not much point. Yeah, but um, like even then, mainly I would just I think I just feel like the uh, I I would really like to just go out of heat on some of the high rolls and just win against these guys. I've uh. I've had a brutal lifetime stretch in 100Ks plus. I have one min cash ever. All my cash is all like 25Ks and below. Oh. Well, that's too bad. Um, it's sorry. not ideal. The sorry again. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just, it's like I'm talking about like a 40 tournament sample. It's really not a big deal. <laughs> all right. Well, I think, uh, I think you'll survive. Uh, but I hope that you get a. 100k cash. You have my blessing for 100k. Well, I'll take a win. A cash is boy. Let's just. I, I've gone too long. Uh, final final table cash. I can't. Winning is too greedy. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll go with something I, in between. Particularly if I'm in the tournament, I'll give you my blessing of getting 100k. Right, thanks. <laughs> it's a, the podcast special. It'd be like really funny if you got it, and then like people like sort of wanted to be on the podcast. Just to, <laughs> you get like a you get like a good voodoo podcast. <laughs> I like did the, a huh? Uh, do you, do you remember that really? It was a really bad Dane Cook movie. It was like Good Luck Chuck, where if he dated someone and then broke up with them, they got, they instantly found like the person they got engaged to after. That's really? like a podcast. What a weird they come problem. on, they instantly win a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have had multiple winners on the tournament, but I had them like right after. Oh, I did have um. Steve Albini on the on the uh, podcast, and then he like won the tournament. He won the WSOP, and then I had a couple other people 
All right. Well, if you if you get if you make a final table cash, remember the moment. The right. I'll give you the I'll give you the credit. I'll say in an interview if they ask like you know what was the difference. I'll be like I went on Jungle's podcast. All right. Yeah. Please say that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chris, it's been great having you on the podcast, and hey, I thanks for having me. A uh, a a good run in tournaments if you're still gonna play, uh, and even a final table high stakes. 100k. Right, I'll take it. All right, all right. All right, I'll see you later. Talk to you later. Bye.